Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. Woo, amen. How's everybody doing today? I'm going to kind of put this in the middle there. Is that all right? Amen. All right. I'm excited. I'm always thankful when God shows up because you know what? When God shows up, it don't matter, right? When he shows up, it's going to be, mm-mm. I'm thankful for when every time he shows up. I'm excited for everyone who's here today. I'm going to put my water here for now. But thank you for being here. Uh, You know what? I consider it an honor to be here before you right now because especially with my pastors being absent right now, I ask that you keep them in prayer, that God would refresh them and rejuvenate them, especially now that we're going to two services. So keep them in prayer as they're getting a little time off and relaxation time. The other thing, though, I ask you to keep them in prayer because Pastor Lindsay's grandmother has passed away, which is Susan Kelly's mother who is here in our audience. I ask that you keep the family in prayer, uh, obviously, as they go through and that God would just carry them and strengthen them in this process. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. So I truly just right now also want to just give an honor to Lindsay and Jeremy that they would even trust me with you guys on today. Amen. Pastor Jeremy just texted me and he says, have fun. So which leads me to believe, I said, you know what? I think we trust each other, hopefully after 10 years in ministry, amen? Amen. But you know, today I'm gonna be continuing the series of This Is Living Now. And we've been in the book of James for the past probably month and a half, powerful book. But you know what? The book of James is a personal book for me. Very personal because I'll never forget, I was probably like 14 years old. Uh, I had, you were new to the church. I, I had been saved me for a couple years. I think I got saved around 12. But at 14, I remember this gentleman, the man of God, preaching the Word of God. And in the middle of his service, I'm there in, kind of in the back row, you know, minding my own business. And he says, you. And I looked at him and I'm like, uh-oh, what do, you, what do you want? And so he says to me, he says, God wants you to read the book of James. I looked at him, I'm like, and in my mind, I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm sure he does. He goes, no. God says he's given you a God-given strength. There's some things he wants to tell you. God wants to tell you some things. And I looked at him and I just nodded my head some more and I said, all right. So, but I want you to know that I waited five years before I read the book of James. I refused to read it. I didn't want to read it because, uh, you know, maybe God did want to tell me something. Maybe God didn't. And I was just like, "Mm, no. So out of my own rebellion, I waited five years. But I want you to know that when I picked up that book and I read the book of James, it began to open my mind. Two key scriptures that stand in my mind, that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. God knew what I dealt with. God knew what I was dealing with, the things that I fought with. God also told me in the midst of be a hearer. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. He says, Monica, I need you to live it. I don't want you to know it so good here that you have no concept of what it is here. This word needs to be engrafted in you. And if you ever met anyone who suffered a severe burn, they have to engraft either pig skin or another portion of their skin. And so they'll put it over the burn. And what happens, they hope and pray that the skin will take so that it will grow and cover the, the muscle again. It's engrafted, and God is saying the Word of God, not only do you need to know it, but you want it engrafted to where it's a part of you, that no matter what you're facing, God is saying, I'll walk you through the trial, I'll show you the way out, I'll give you the strategy. I don't care what you're dealing with, I'm going to show you. Amen? 
Amen. So again, the book of James is just a personal thing. And so before I even go any further, I just want to pray over this service. Father, thank you right now for the opportunity this day, God, that you've allowed me to bring this word. I ask now that my lips would become clay in your hands, Father, and that you would allow me to share this message the way you've given it to me. I pray today that it would encourage your people as much as I ask it to encourage myself again, Father. I thank you for all you're doing. Bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people of God said... Amen. So let's go ahead and get into the word right now. So I'm coming from the book of James, chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. And if you, any of you brought your Bible, if not something to write on, write this stuff down. The reason why I say that, because anytime you have your Bible, or I, I'm going to call it a lifesaver nowadays, because I always have these different Bibles. To me, they're kind of like a 38 or a 45 or an AK-47. To me, the Word of God is my weapon. It guards me from anything when the enemy wants to attack my mind or attack me physically or however way it wants to come at me. It's the Word and there's power in it. It's designed. God is designed. God is saying, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I'm going to work for you. I'm going to do it for you. If you remember, Pastor Lindsay said, What's the attitude of our heart? Are we willing to humble ourselves to receive all that God has for us? Think about that for a moment. But let me read. Let me read this version. Here it is. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So may the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and the readers of his word. Amen. As you begin to see James, he's talking about being patient. It's almost like he's doing a recap of everything that Pastor Lindsay and Pastor Jeremy have talked about these past couple weeks. He talks about being patient uh, then, brothers and sisters. But this type of patience, it's like, it's not the type of, it's a Christian, well, let me start here. Still remember Pastor Lindsay was talking about how back in the day the Jewish Christians were being oppressed. They were being uh, tortured. They were being basically taken advantage of. In fact, they had hitmen back in the day. So if you thought the mob was just here in Vegas, the mob goes way back, okay? What I noticed is that some of these people, when the Jews would go work, they needed the money for that day to get their food to supply to their families. Well, what would happen? They would go do their day's work, and these people, these rich, wealthy people, would off them. Oh, well, they got the work done. Don't have to worry about it. I was like... I didn't know they had the mob back in that day, but they did. So what, are we, what were they supposed to do? They could act on God's behalf and, and bring justice by force and arms, take it into their own, or their, you know, their, I'm going to do it my way, go to Jerry Springer, confront everybody, and I'm going to tell you how it is, and pop their neck. And No, God is saying, I need you to do it 
my way. He goes, because that's not going to work that way. He even goes all the way back to chapter 1 where he's talking about let perseverance have its perfect work in you. Let it have its work in you. It's basically a sign of maturity because we don't need to be on the Jerry Springer show. We don't need it all over Facebook or Instagram or the little Snapchat. It doesn't need to be there. God is saying, I need you to stop taking it everywhere else and bring it to me. We need to vent upward, okay? You may, now, this is interceding, dropping, downloading. If I have to go into a fire, those of you who don't know me, I, I work as a firefighter. I'm EMS, emergency medicine has been my career all my life. But I need you to know something. Right now, if there was a fire in this building, what we would do, we would cut a hole at the top where we see the fire, and all that heat has to go through that hole. But I need, I'll be coming in, firefighters will be coming in from this side. But if we cut that hole too early, or if we open that door too late, or if we open it, what happens? Backdraft, poof, it explodes. So what I'm saying, we need to cut the hole, let it ventilate, then we walk in to put the fire out. My point with this is that we can't be going sideways, we can't open this door first, it will kill you. God is showing it to you in the natural, in the physical, as much as he'll show it to you in the spiritual. Okay, know that God is real. He'll give you an actual physical to, to, to match up with his word. I want you to know that. But we need to per persevere. The other thing, he's, as he's, he's talking in the same verse, he says, farmers, of course, have to have the virtue. In Israel, they waited for the autumn rains, the planting uh, before they planted. And they had to wait and hope that the spring rain, the latter rain or the late rain, if you ever heard that term, it, it brings the grain to maturity before harvest. So in the midst of it, they were hoping that the rain would come. That means there's some, the, the ground that they planted, all the seeds, all that hard work, Sometimes it matches up with our lives. We put so much work into it, and it's not moving. It's not functioning. Nothing's happening. But God is saying, wait. Wait on me. Wait. Because when I bring that latter rain, when I bring that late blessing, when I bring it to you, I need you to understand it's going to become what I've ordained it to be, what I've called it to be. Verse 8, you two be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another. James is going all the way back, all the way back to the area where, you know, don't be judging. I believe it's in chapter 2. Yes, chapter 2. And he goes, don't, don't go around judging people and talking smack. And he goes, don't. He goes, because what you're doing, you're setting yourself up for those bad seeds yourself. Because what you're seeing there, he goes, you're planting the seed against yourself. He goes, the only judge that is here is God himself. When people ask me, do you think I'm wrong? Do you think I'm evil? Do you think? I said, this is what the word of God says. And on top of that, I don't have a hell to put you into. But you know, all my job is to do is to point you to Jesus Christ, show you what his word says, and my prayer for you is that you would abide, that you would obey, and move into the things of God so that he can bless you with the things he has for you. Amen? So even here, he says, being patient. Christians waiting is not, again, waiting on something, but it's waiting for someone and we're waiting on him. Many people thought years ago Jesus was coming, even in their time. But the reality factor, that's the hope we do have. You already sensed his presence in the room. You discerned it. It was in the house already. So you, there's no way on God's green earth you will ever tell me, or you can't convince me that there's not a God. Because I've had some God encounters that my attitude is like, I don't care what you do or say. You're not going to move me from here because he built that in me. He put me some trials and brought me out because he did it. Now, let me define patience to you here. 
The word patience denotes lenience, forbearance, patient endurance, basically long suffering. It is the ability to endure persecution, persecution and ill treatment. It describes a person who has the power to exercise revenge and instead exercises restraint. In other words, I have enough power to take you out, and, but instead of, it's almost like God put in the reins. Thank you, Jesus. I bless the Lord, oh my soul, <laughs> because it's real. I wish I could tell you I was lying to you, but I'm not. Guess what? I get frustrated too, but I have to go take it. I got to vent up, okay? I got to take it there before I take it anywhere else. Okay? And if I do take it to someone else, it's going to be someone who I trust as a mentor who's going to pray with me and help me pray through it and walk through it, not to gossip and make a mess. Amen? Amen. So even patience, it describes a person, again, who has that power to get revenge, but again, we're not. The other thing you need to know about that patience, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit, and it's being developed in you. He also talked about endure and endurance. Endure means to stand firm, standing firm and not losing courage under pressure because we can get under pressure, yeah? The endurance now, it describes the, capa the capacity to continue to bear up in difficult circumstances, so not with passive complacency, but with a hopeful fortitude that actively resists weariness and defeat. That endurance, I know you can feel a little tired, but God is saying through the power of my Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you what it takes to make it through. I'm going to give you what it takes to go see face to, that person face to face, the one that rubs you the wrong way, the one that grinds on you in a manner that, Ugh! and you don't know what to do, that sometimes you have to pray for yourself before you even enter the environment. And if you don't know how to do that, and you know you have to face somebody that may drive you crazy or gets under your skin, I challenge you, Father, I'm asking you before I enter, give me that patience, give me that endurance, let me stand on your word, bridle my tongue, but let me listen, and then you tell me when to speak and when to be quiet, amen? Because he's that kind of God who's gonna do those things for us, okay? So again, there he is bringing back the theme of the tongue, right? He's talking about the tongue in that same scripture. And again, it's not, again, talking about that grumbling, even though we're talking about endurance and patience, but he's not talking about that grumbling only, Again, we can't be grumbling against one another, okay? We can't just be judging one another. There it is again. So in verse 10, I'm going kind of quickly through these things because there's something else I want to show you. I have something else. He talks about the prophets who spoke in verse 10, the name of the Lord. Basically, those Old Testament prophets, they suffered through so many things. There was a weeping prophet, poor Jeremiah. He cried all the time. And, you know, you had all these prophets doing what they needed to do. But, you know, those prophets have gone through some things, all right? But the other thing, he, they also, he brings up Job. If you don't know who Job is, Job, he wasn't a prophet, but he was a righteous man who loses nearly everything he holds dear to him, including his 10 children. He got wiped out of everything. He's described as blameless and upright. He deals with tragedy uh, in, in, in a deepest form. One of the first things he does, though, in the midst of that tragedy, he goes before God and he begins to worship God. He didn't know why his children had to get killed. He didn't know why he had to lose all his land. But Job's a whole other message in itself. But James is referring to him because in the midst of that, God was building his character. He didn't know what was going to come after that, but he stayed faithful to God. And God was building some things in him. 
Job said in the midst of his book, he says, though he slay me, though I'm getting cut up, though I've lost everything, though I've been hurting, though I've been wounded, though I've been betrayed, though I've been talked about, because when you read the book of Job, you'll see all that. He says, yet will I trust him. I'm going to trust him in the midst of all this. So the point that I'm going with, God has not forgotten the Christians, okay? James is writing so much to the point that he says, God is merciful and gracious and slow to anger. Again, if you remember these past weeks, we've talked about all these things. James is doing a recap. God is not trying to make life hard for, the, for his believers, but is instead showing his mercy and assisting them to develop character and to put their investments in heaven. God is saying, Put your hope in me. Put your trust in me. Well, that's great. We just did a recap of the book of James. Beautiful. Hey, all that and more. Remember I told you God shows you things spiritually, and he'll also show you naturally? I'm going to ask him to put a picture up on the screen for me right now. And it's a scripture, excuse me, it's a, it's a picture of five ambulances. Last year I had the opportunity to go to Chehalis, Washington, and Brown Northwest, basically, they designed the ambulances you want. Again, I spent my whole career, my whole life as emergency medicine. If you look at these ambulances, aren't they beautiful? They're beautiful. If you look at them, if you were to walk in them, they are so custom made. They have everything where we can hook our monitor. This year, we got USB plugs because everybody has their iPhones and iPads. That's, some, that's never heard of in our ambulances in the past, ever. So everybody's excited, USB plugs. We got a modular disconnect. That box in the back, that's called a modular. We have switches that controls it electronically. We have this cool plate. Boom, when all the doors are locked, you kick it. All the doors unlock. It's a secret place. Can't tell you where it is. But those ambulances are almost like a, you know, 007 vehicle because it has everything we want. And they're so awesome. And when I got there, the gentleman was showing me. We'll hold up that. We'll go hold. The gentleman begins to talk to me. He says, you're quiet. There's something about you. We can go back to the other picture for now. He goes, I said, no, 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 no. He goes, no, there's something about you. I go, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I just kept my mouth shut. He goes, I don't know why, but I want to show you something. I said, okay, sounds good. So as I begin to th th talk to him, he takes me into, into the building, and he shows you, I want to show you the process. So if I haven't given my title yet to this message, I would have to call it the process. So what is the process? The process is a series, according to Webster, it's a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. So it's almost like we have this end picture because that's our end result. We sat down at tables and we uh, made all the specs, specifications for it. We wanted a sliding door because if you notice doors today, they open up in traffic. These doors had cool, psh, they slide open, kind of those new minivans. That's cool because it's never been heard of for us. So everybody, all the other ambulances in Las Vegas and Clark County, they're looking at us. Oh, we want some of those, you know, but they're cool, right? Anyways, I'm excited more about those ambulances than anything. Okay. <laughs> but the thing about it, when we went there, we had to go through every area of those ambulances. My job was the inside of the modular. And I had to make sure every light worked. I had to make sure every cabinet opened right, that they locked everything. I had to go through everything because they built it for us. But we needed it to make sure it worked right. So let's go to that next slide. So remember, I told you I met John, and he says, come, I want to show you something. 
So he goes, look at that piece of metal right there. I said, yeah, what about it? He goes, that's your ambulance. I said, what do you mean? He says, that's your ambulance. That's where it began with that sheet of metal. Let's go to the next slide. And then he takes me to this area right here. If you look at it, there's a piece of metal is laying in that water, and that's a laser cutter. So it's cutting out the windows. It's cutting out the wheel wells. It's cutting out shelves the way we do it. I said, okay, interesting. Go to the next slide for me, please. He goes, this is what we've created. He goes, it starts in that piece of metal. I said, okay. So I saw the sheet metal. I saw the cutting. Then I started to see the bending as they molded these. I started to see some sanding. But I began to think about the process for us as Christians, where we are, where we began, where God found us. And God already saw us with the end in mind. He already saw us there. But here we are. He finds us. We finally agreed. Don't think you found him. He found you. Let me, let me put that in there for sure, okay? He found you. You may think you found him. Yeah. I need you to know he finds you. And I love it because when I saw the sheet metal, I started to think about the cutting he does on us. You ever been cut by God? You ever have him cut some things off of you, something that you really like, you really wanted, but it's the sin that separated you from him? I'm be real because sin is good. Sin feels good. You want me to lie to you? I didn't, I didn't get a lobotomy. I know where I came from. I come from the streets of Northtown, and I don't forget what has happened to me. But what I do know is that it's under the blood of the Lamb. I do know that I don't have to repeat my past again. I do know that I don't have to go back to my mess. I don't have to return to the vomit like the way a dog will. That's what the book of Proverbs says. Don't go back to your mess. And then I begin to think of the bending. I thought about how God has to mold my heart and has to, has to bend me and make me a little more tender with people. Then I saw some sanding. We can go to the next one. If you see, okay, there's the back of the ambulance. It's now coming to the picture. Keep going again, please, with the next picture. Now there was some sanding to be done. You ever been sanded down? You ever have some people that maybe rub you the wrong way? It's not just God rubbing you, but there's some people that are brought into your life that God can begin to sand some rough edges off of you, that God can teach you how to love that person that you think you couldn't stand anymore. God is saying, I'm going to put the, the, the fruit of the Spirit in you so you're able to love unconditionally. Again, it's a process. God is saying, I'm going to put you in there. So not only am I going to teach you my word? If you go in again, take the next picture. They, they, they take that, then they, they go one more in there. In there, they spray paint it, but then they have this heat. It's like in an oven because they have to bake the paint on because they don't want it to crack. They don't want it to fall apart. They don't, they don't, they don't make cheap stuff. God does not make junk, and he doesn't make trash. So don't you ever ever call yourself out of your own name ever again, ever, in the name of Jesus. You know who I'm talking to. Yeah. Now, just saying, God is saying, I'm not only going to put it in you, but I'm going to put you through some heat. I'm going to put you and test it. I'm going to make sure you come out the way I originally designed you to be. I'm going to mold you. I'm going to heal you. But in that, again, there was that sanding. There's that heated oven. Because sometimes we go through trials. Didn't James talk about count it all joy when you're going through your trials? Does not mean, hey, let's throw a party? Everything's falling apart in my life. No. 
He's saying, count it all joy that God would even consider to mold you, to frame you, to see right where you are and give you a strategy, give you wisdom to come out of it, to not be the same person, to not repeat the same mess. So I want you to just take that into consideration. Let's go to the next slide. That's the inside of the ambulances. You see all those wires coming out? That first picture you saw didn't show you none of this, did it? None of it. Just as God didn't show me as me. Because if you look at me now compared to who I was then, if I look at you now compared to who you were then, how about that? Let me turn the tables. Amen? But I'm just, I want you to see this. So let's go to the next slide. Look at that. The paint's baked on. They got the shelves going on. Everything has its place. Go to the next slide. It's not even on the chassis yet. That modular, that box, it's not even on the wheels yet. Did you see that at the first picture? Nothing of that, right? Keep going. And then the engine. Come on, we got to keep that going. And the wiring. All that wiring we needed to do. All the wiring that's there. I was in awe with all the wires that were going through the whole unit. You guys seen those rescues around the city, whether you see an AMR one or a Henderson one, Clark County, yellow, white, blue, any of those ambulances, they go through a similar process like this. In all my career of 30 years of EMS, I've never witnessed this until last year. I didn't realize all it took for us to get these ambulances. I didn't realize all it took for you to go, come out to be who God is creating you to be. I didn't realize what it took for you, Robert. I didn't realize what it took for you, Yvonne. I didn't realize what it took for you, Brenda. I didn't realize it, what it took for you, Christine. But it lets me know that I'm not walking alone. It lets me know that we're all in a process together. It lets me know that as brothers and sisters, iron sharpens iron. We can encourage one another and help one another. I don't care if you're black, white, Hispanic, black, yellow, green, purple, smurf. I don't care. We are family and we need to help one another. We're all in the process. So when he was talking about the grumbling, he's saying quit talking about them and start praying for them. Quit whining about them and ask God to do something. Ask God to change you, to give you an unconditional love for them. I wish I could tell you I was talking about somebody else, but I'm preaching my own life. I am, because that's how faithful he's been to me. I'm 50 now. And I never believed I'd see, the, see myself past the age of 18. But by his grace, I'm here. Now, I want to show you something. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So there's this power we have. God is saying, we're like jars of clay. We're so easily broken. But God is saying, I've put my spirit in you. I've put power in you. I've given you what you need. I'm going to supply it. I love you so much. And if you go to verse 8, he says, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Meaning there may be some confusion, but we're not hopeless. We may have been persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We, have may, we have may, may have been struck down, but we're not destroyed. We are not annihilated. God is saying, I am with you. My spirit is with you. That the power of God not only sustains us, not only as he's sustaining me, but it's giving me the power to be able to help you. 
There are some people in this room that you may have had conversations with. There are some people in this room you may have helped walk through. There are some people in this room you may have just prayed with. That's what you're talking about, that power. Because sometimes, I'll, not, I shouldn't say sometimes, for me, every time I'm in the midst of something and I actually go and help someone else, it begins to give me relief. It begins to lift the burden off of me and lets me know that, you know what? It's not all that bad. And when I was a paramedic on the streets, literally running calls, I could wake up in a, in a bad, in, and just not having a good day, or the days that I had that I was depressed, I'd run that call, and when I saw the brain splattered all over that bathroom tub, I was like, God, my day isn't bad. My day is not as bad as I thought. He says, Monica, you have hope in me. You have life in me. Just know that where you are right now, it's not a permanent thing, okay? God's saying, I'm gonna shift this atmosphere. But in the midst of the process, sometimes we don't understand it all. Sometimes we're like, what is happening to us? But I love Galatians 6 and 9. He says, and let us not grow weary in doing it while doing good. Let me read it this way because I'm, I'm, I'm reading my versions. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. King James says that in due season you will reap if you faint not. If you don't throw in the towel, if you don't give up, God is saying, I'm with you. God is saying, do what's right. He says, we must take courage with the assurance that God will vindicate these people and that at the appropriate time, we will certainly reap the fullness of God's goodness. God is saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. There are some things you are facing that are shaping you right now and molding you in the process right now. They're molding you to be according to the design he created you to be. Every one of us has a fight, a struggle. It could be marriage. It could be sickness of a loved one. It could be addictions. It could be abuse. It could be that backbiting, the lies. It could be pornography. It could be whatever it is. But what I'm letting you know, that when you're in the process, God is cutting some things off of you. He's shaving some things off. He's going to throw you into the fire to bring you out the way he designed you to be. So if I had to take a subtitle for this message, because God is saying embrace the process. The process is perfect. The process is beautiful. But God is saying forgive the process because there's been some tears that have been cried in the midnight hour. There's been some things that you haven't understood. And God is saying, I know you've been suffering, but I need you to know I need you to stand strong, stand firm on my word. I want you to seek me because this process happens in God's timing. And God makes things beautiful in his timing, not what others think or what it's their timing. For some of you, you've been asking, how can I be used by you, God? Why would you use me? I've wasted so much time. God, you saw that relationship I was in. You saw the pornography I was looking at. You saw that homosexual relationship. You saw I cheated on my marriage. You saw, God, my child is sick. My child is injured. God, my dad died. My mom, how, why would you use me? I made, I made it to prison. Why would you use someone like me? You're thinking it's too late now. I got involved with the wrong people. But I've come to shut down the lies of the enemy. 
but I've come to serve notice on the enemy. I've come to let you know that the devil is a liar for every time those wheels are turning in your mind and he wants to accuse you. He's the accuser of the brethren, but I'm telling you he's a liar because Jesus said that because when his blood was shed, he's saying, I loved you and everything you've done is under the blood, the blood of Jesus. He says, the blood is not transparent, that when I see you, I see you covered because you received my son as your savior. He says, I love this scripture so much. I will repay you for the years the locust has eaten. I will, yeah, let me read this version. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Never again. Never again. He says, I'm going to restore those years you think you've wasted in prison. You think you wasted in that broken relationship. You think you wasted being in your mess, getting caught up. Whatever that is, you know what it is. And God is saying, I've come to end the shame. And when you look at it in the Hebrew, he says, shame is dried up. Despair or that loss of being hopeless, he says, it is dried up. It's withered up. I am your God. I've come to give you hope. I've come to shut down the shame, the fear, the lies coming out of the addiction, coming out of that jail sentence, coming out from that undercover sin, coming out of the lies and the backbiting, coming out of the anger and abuse, even abuse of yourself, the attitudes. And some of you, some of you have thrown in the towel because you've been so tired, you've been so weary, and you wonder, God, are you even real? You're questioning God how much longer? And if this is you, I challenge you to follow my lead right now because God told me to tell you, pick up the towel, pick up the towel. Pick it up. Don't you dare throw in the towel. Don't you dare throw it in. God is saying, pick it up. This is part of the process. I'm trying to get you to your destiny. I'm trying to put character in you. I'm trying to give you wisdom. I'm trying to give you patience. I want to put it in you. God is saying he has made everything beautiful in his time, is what the word of God says. In Ecclesiastes 3:11, he says, he has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the heart, in the human heart, yet no one can phantom what God has done from beginning to end. God begins with the end in mind. God is saying in that area, I stand outside of time. I see your beginning. I see your end. You saw the ambulance in its end. God is saying, I'm outside of time. I see right where you are. I know what you're dealing with, but I make everything beautiful. He makes everything beautiful, and it's time. Don't grow weary in doing well. There are things that are out of our control, but God is saying, I'm here. And as I close, I want you to say something. Every time I go visit a friend of mine, he always talks about my truck. He says, built for tough. I want you to say with me, 
I'm built Holy Ghost tough. Say it with me. I'm built Holy Ghost tough. Say it again. I'm built Holy Ghost tough. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, Holy Ghost, by the way, in King James Version, literally NIV is Holy Spirit, just so you know. I'm built Holy Ghost tough. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is healing. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, bondage must be broken. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, generational curses must break. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, God is saying, I'll give you a strategy. Broken hearts will be healed. But God begins with the end in mind. I just want to encourage you today to forgive the process endure the process let it build that character you in you keep reading the word keep trusting keep hoping pick up the towel pick it up know that God is with you know that God is on your side and know that God is for you and if there's someone here right now I want you to go ahead just bow your heads close your eyes and if it's you who needs Jesus right now I just want you to raise your hand up just raise your hand up and say, Lord, I need you. God, I need you. I need to be restored. I need to pick up from where we left off. God's not going to take you to the beginning. He's going to take you to where you are right now. He's saying, pick it up from there. We're going to move from there. Just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my wrongdoing. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. God, be my savior. Be my healer. Be my all. Connect me with those who are going to help me walk through and be who you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So I decree and declare your salvation. If you said that, I need you to know that you're saved and that a new beginning is right here, right now. God loves you. And I want to invite you. I need to invite the prayer team forward. If there's anyone, I encourage you to come up for prayer. If you feel you need prayer, I encourage you. Because I don't want you to just leave here halfway. I want you to come and get filled up. There's no shame in coming to the altar. There's no shame in coming to ask God for strength. There's no shame in it. I encourage you. Whatever you're dealing with, I invite you to come forward. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to know more details, you can visit our website at avenuechurch.cc or follow us on social media at Avenue LV Church. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.